gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Med podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for good men on their journey to live epic lives. I show up every week with legendary guests who help me bring you some of the most impactful content out there on masculinity, and we don't disappoint. This week's episode is brought to you by mastermypurpose.com, but a little bit more on that later. Today, my guest is Dr. Don Wilton. And we discuss what it takes to become the sort of man that can change the lives of hundreds of millions of people, literally, around the world. Dr. Don Wilton is an internationally known pastor, speaker, and author. Our conversation today is actually based around his most recent book, Saturdays with Billy, where he writes about his deep friendship with Dr. Billy Graham and reveals the invincible character of the man who preached the gospel to more people in live audiences than anyone else in history. Dr. Billy Graham was a well-known public figure, but today, Dr. Wilton shares some of the most intimate and impactful stories from over 15 years of spending his Saturdays with Billy. Dr. Wilton, again, it's such an honor to have you on today. And I specifically wanted to get you on here because you wrote a fantastic book called Saturdays with Billy, but I think it'd be, well, a requirement to start with who is Billy and who are you talking about here? (laughs) Listen, it's wonderful to be with you, brother, and to have fellowship like this and just uh, love and appreciate you. And I'm so grateful that we can share together with your audience. And, you know, talking about someone like Dr. Billy Graham is just fantastic. You know, there are people in our lives who have just really impacted us. And some of those people are already in heaven. And, yeah, uh, that's right. You know, so they would fall into the category of like historical figures. And it's hard for me to s- talk about Billy Graham as an historical figure. But the fact is that he went to heaven three years ago. And so he's no longer here. He's in heaven. And he is one of those people worth knowing about. And I would encourage Our listeners, you know, if you don't know about Billy Graham, well, one of the ways is read Saturdays with Billy. And that's not just a plug for the book that I've written. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Mr. Graham was became known as America's pastor. He was probably one of the most well-known men in the world for 60 years plus. He was listed in the who's who. And in the top of the most popular men and well-known men for 65 straight years, one of the very few people that was known. He was a preacher and more importantly, a world evangelist. He traveled literally, this is not a figurative, literally around the world. Wherever he went, thousands of people would come, sometimes millions. He preached to millions and millions of people on every continent from Africa to Asia to Europe to the Americas, all around the world for over 60 years. He was very loved. And get this, he was also so highly thought after that what you and I would call famous people (laughs) all wanted him to be in their lives. So if you take all the American presidents, from President Truman to Barack Obama, And even briefly to President Trump, he died during the Trump presidency. All the presidents, President Kennedy, President Johnson, President Obama, I mean, 
all of these great men that served the United States all counted Billy Graham as their personal friend and confidant. Wow. Now, I'm only talking about America here. Yeah. The prime ministers, kings, queens. The Queen of England was a personal friend of his. And they would holiday together. So I'm not trying to overcook the chicken here. I just want you to know when you talk about Saturdays with Billy, we're talking about Billy Graham, a man that had such a reach. He was so incredible. But get this. He was an amazing man of God. We can learn so much from this man. Because I'm telling you, if you and I can live a life that was even close to the life that Billy Graham led, God would bless us in a major way. Oh, amen to that. And I think that's why you know I shared with you before that when I listened to your interview on another podcast, as you spoke about some of the things that, some of the times that you spent with Dr. Billy Graham, I just wept. I wept because there was so much simplicity in the things that you said. And I am so guilty of making everything so complicated. And then there was so much selflessness and pointing away from the self when the tendency, you know, for us young millennials is to point at ourselves. Everything has to point back to us. And so you're right. We have to be able to unpack you know, the life of somebody like Dr. Billy Graham to understand who those amazing men of God were and what it took to be there, what it took to be known as that. I would want to start with first something that you said before. He was somebody who impacted so many of us. And I'm wondering, do we know who personally impacted him and who brought him to the Lord? I asked that question because I think people, when they're on a stage or when they're on a world stage, like Dr. Billy was, it's easy to see the impact, the reach, and you know, point to the glory of God in that. But we don't equally point to the glory of the one person that might have led him to the Lord that nobody knows about. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, who impacted the man who's impacting us? And really, his story is a beautiful story. He grew up on a farm in North Carolina, you know, milking cows and running around and chasing girls. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, because he, he and I would laugh around that a lot, you know. And yeah. I mean, he was no different teenager to most of us, you know, who are teenagers and were teenagers. He loved life and had a zest for life. So I've got to say something about his home life. I mean, he just had a home life that was meaningful. You know, he had a mother and father who loved him. And he had brothers and sisters who they kind of hung around and he had friends who hung around with him. They did all kinds of stuff, even got up to all kinds of pranks together and, you know, borrow that phrase, you know, they're just doing what teenagers do. But there was like an emptiness in his life. And so he got into his mid-teens. He told me many times, he said, Don, I was just searching. I felt like there had to be more to life. Mm. I so think many, many of us right will there. identify with that. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got our ball games and we've got our cows to milk. <laughs> we've got our motorbikes to ride and we've got our trips and we've got the beach and the mountains and the things we like, but there's got to be something more. And I heard him say to me many times, it was that search for more that was in his heart and he could see it in the fulfillment in some of the people that were around him. Some of them pulled him down spiritually, and some of them built him up spiritually. He always used to say to me, you know, be very careful about the company you keep, 
you know, people you hang around with because people do influence us. So cutting a long story short, a fellow, now this is a neat name, okay, but this was a traveling preacher. His name was Mordecai Ham, Mordecai Ham, another well-known guy back in that day, came to their town and was preaching the series of crusades and young Billy and his friends just went, sat on the back seat, cut up and so on and so forth. And God got a hold of his heart. He just knew that God was speaking to him. And he came to the point where he realized that without the Lord in his life, that he would be on a proverbial search for this meaning, for this fulfillment. And Jesus died for him. And so it was at one of those meetings that he went forward and gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus. And God, the spirit, got a hold of him. And his life instantly began to change. And then began that story, that journey. And by the way, life is not just a destination. It's a journey. God has us on a journey. And the journey is as important as the destination. We're all going. We're headed. You know, you know Jesus. I know Jesus. You and I are brothers and we're friends, and we're going to heaven. That's our destination. But man, aren't we on a sweet ride right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the journey. You know, I love your show because it's about the journey. It's making a difference. And somebody's listening right now that's saying, you know, that's me. I'm looking for something more. I want fulfillment. I want peace. Besides that, I want and I need forgiveness. And Mr. Graham found that, and he gave his life to Christ, and he received the forgiveness of God, which was the starting point. And from that moment on, he began this incredible journey, which is what his life is about, that we can learn so much about it. How can so big, so great, be so impactful, so humble, and so meaningful to everybody? Everybody. He saw everybody the same. He treated everybody the same. I want that. I want to be like that. Yeah. And we can be. You said three words that I think everybody would say that they want written in their eulogy or on their gravestone. They want to be known, especially men want to be known to be impactful, humble, and meaningful. And in mm. your time with Dr. Billy, I'm hoping that you can unpack maybe two or three stories that really showed how he got there, how he woke up spiritually and then followed the Lord and little by little in, on his journey, he became that. He became America's pastor, like you said earlier, and the most well-known man in the world. Yes. Yes. Well, let's take, I love the way you broke that down. Impactful, meaningful. And what was the third one? Humble. Humble. Oh, you know. So let's talk about being impactful. That word being impactful means making an impact, making a difference, amounting to something. And here I'm not talking about a lot of good things. We can amount to a lot of good things. There's some great ball players, you know, that really contribute to a team, to a championship. There are great business people and all of these things have their place, don't they? But we're talking about impactful in the things that really matter, that really count. And his impactfulness came from 
a life of total surrender. Very early in his life, Billy Graham determined that he was going to serve the Lord and he was going to be obedient to what God wanted him to do. Now, you don't just roll out of bed and that happens. It's a pursuit. (laughs) It's a discipline. It's a determination. I tell some of my friends often, I said this to somebody the other day, determined to be happy. Make up your mind. If you really are struggling, just turn to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm going to look on the bright side. Instead of complaining that someone burnt my toast for breakfast, I'm going to just thank God for my burnt toast because there's a bunch of people who would give anything to even have a corner of a piece of burnt toast, right? right. It doesn't mean to say burnt toast is great or that it tastes good, but it's not worth getting bent out of shape over. Mr. Graham decided that it didn't matter if his toast was burned. He was still going to give God thanks for it because it was food. That is so convicting. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and get, you know, I saw this in his life. I saw him do this. What did that look like? And just something that comes to mind. I saw him. I was a witness. I saw people from every walk of life come into his presence. So you can include in that framework some of the most famous people you and I have ever met in the world, okay? But you can also include someone who came to work on the gutter in his house or the man who came to clean his house or cut the lawn or fix the plumbing. You and I call us like ordinary people. There was no ordinary person to Mr. Graham. When he spoke to the man who cut the grass in his backyard and he spoke to the president of the United States, If you'd been a fly on the wall, you wouldn't really know any difference between the two. (laughs) His demeanor, and you could feel it. It was palpable. You know, when he looked at you, you felt like it was about you. He didn't look at you while looking over your shoulder to see if there's somebody more important that he should be speaking to. He never put out his hand and swept you aside. He valued every person as being unique and distinctive in the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. You know, and let me tell you, Mr. Graham wouldn't be happy with me saying this because he was so humble. I always felt when I was with Dr. Graham that I was looking at the face of God's grace. Wow. So to try and explain his impact, you have to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is king, who's Lord, he's God, and yet he's so loving. And he is so filled with the grace that is his, that he was willing to die on a cross. This is God. This is Jesus. The son of God was willing to die on a cross for the likes of me? (laughs) For me? I mean, this just boggles my mind. Why would Jesus die for me? Okay, so here's what I want to do, all right? So this is going to put a perspective on it, and you guys can laugh at me on this. So here's a picture that I want to give you. This is a picture. It's a picture of Don Wilton, that's me, Okay. and Dr. Billy Graham, all right? You got the two of us. So for 25 years, he and I were together. We walked together, talked together, ate together, fellowshiped together, 
played with the dogs together, did things together. So just get a picture here, Don Wilton, Dr. Billy Graham. Here's the picture, you ready? It's a picture of a nobody who thought he was a somebody talking to a somebody who thought he was a nobody. <laughs> now, how stupid wow. is that? Wow. Hey, everything <laughs> was backwards. <laughs> <laughs> everything was backwards. Yes. Yeah, I'm telling you now, our listeners won't believe this. You know, and you'd say, Don who? Don who what? Who? Where does he from? I mean, I don't even listen to him. I don't even know him from a bar of soap. And then everybody knows <laughs> Dr. Graham and just become a fly on the wall. Just imagine you're a fly on the wall. I'm not calling anybody a fly on the wall, but just picture yourself as a fly on the wall. And there's Don Wilton and Billy Graham. I guarantee you every fly that was on the wall at every meeting between me and he would have concluded that I was the important person in the room. <laughs> So how did you go home right from your time with him after, you know, experiencing this for so many years, maybe bring us back to the first few years. How would you go home and deal with that in your mind? Right? Like there's this disparity that is so apparent, you know, that's I'm sure convicting. Like, what was that like? Well, after I'd got over all my nerves and my shock and everything, but yeah, I can tell you exactly because Montreat, North Carolina, where he had this beautiful home right up on the mountain is up there, okay? I live in Spartanburg, South Carolina, which is down in the valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very appropriate. When I'd go and visit Mr. Graham, I had to go up the mountain. <laughs> when I came back home, I had to come down the mountain. Now, I want <laughs> That's good. Oh, I wanna, yes. I want to tell you, Mr. Graham wouldn't like this. Now, I promise you, I'm just glad he's in heaven right now and he's not there to say something to me because he wouldn't like me to say this. And I don't mean it like this, so please forgive me. But I, I very soon began to feel like Moses, that when I was up there with him, that I was in the presence. I don't want to say it because it's sacrilege. And Mr. Graham would not. But I felt like I was in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, receiving a word from the Lord Jesus. Then he would write on the tablet of my heart, <laughs> then I would leave and drive my motor car down back down the mountain, down into the valley to be among the people again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's a great picture. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and you know, therein lies something. I mean, we connecting those three dots that you gave me, but you know, here's what the Bible says. And by the way, I quoted this verse when I preached at, at his funeral, you know, which was, you know, followed and watched by millions of people around the world. You know, the, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So just process that. So Mr. Graham, in my opinion, in my opinion, was a man who seldom showed pride. Pride is the elevation of everything to do with oneself. Humility is the subjection of everything concerning oneself to the other. So if pride is the elevation of everything to do with yourself, I need you 
you listen to me. I'm in charge. It's me. It's my way or the highway. Humility is the subjection of everything about me in favor of everyone else. That's ultimate servanthood. I love that you use the word subjection because I think that the common view on humility is not subjection, but degradation. Like in order for me to be humble, I have to like degrade myself or bring myself down Uh, to such a low level. And then I can seem like I know who I really am, right? Like compared to, you know, the Lord or anybody else. And get this brother, you are so on target with that. Jesus said, when you humble yourself, the lower you get, the greater you are. (laughs) That's a that's good. So now, I, can you feel me grappling with this? Yes. You mean the, yes. the more humble I am? Well, Jesus said it. He said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, he pours out his engracement. That is the knighthood of God placed upon the heart of every man and every woman who submits themselves, number one, to God, and number two, to their fellow man. It's an attitude of servanthood. It's so beautiful. And Mr. Graham epitomized that. Let's take a quick moment to hear from the sponsor of this episode, MasterMyPurpose.com. If you want to clarify your God-given purpose, master the skills of some of the world's most successful and purpose-driven men, and march into action right now, then make sure that you head over to mastermypurpose.com for your free 21-day guide to a purpose-driven year. You'll be able to join the army of men already marching into a new direction and purpose. Again, that's mastermypurpose.com. And you're telling me that as he epitomized this, he also, and this is coming from his biography, he was able to speak on over 185 countries and reach live audience over 215 million people. That's the most that anybody in history has ever done. And plus everybody else that that had been reached through television, radio and everything. And I got to be honest with you, doctor, it's just, it doesn't seem as productive, right? And I'm looking at this from a standpoint of somebody who's maybe, you know, developing themselves, developing something, growing something. And I think the tendency is to be like, okay, I got to get on a stage. I got to get in front of these people. I got to look a certain way. My appearance has to be this. I have to seem attractive and I have to pull this attention in. And you're telling me that the opposite gives you more. Yeah. Exact opposite gives you more. And I saw that in Dr. Billy Graham, because one would think you would imagine that he's so great that he has it all, that it's his fame, that you know he's got the right this and he's got the right that. But it was the exact opposite that caused people to want to sit at his feet. Wow. Wow. It was the exact opposite, the attraction. You know, you can be, I don't want to hear it sound like I'm trying to put any, I've gone to some, I love sport, you know, I just enjoy sport with my sons and my daughter and every, you know, a lot of us do. I love great football games and basketball. You know, I've been to arenas and places and had opportunities to be in the company from time to time of a great athlete. All right. Man, I love it, man. Here's this guy and he knows how to throw a ball or shoot a hoop or he, you know, and he's famous. 
And you can be in the company of one who's so famous and it's like you just can't wait to leave their presence because there's like a push away from them. I hate to use this word. It's like an yeah. arrogance. Yes. It's like you interfering. It's like you're a nuisance. <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. You yes. even try, you know, you try to get their autograph and they sign your autograph, but they do it in such a way that it's an ineligible squiggle that they do there and they don't even look at you when they do it. And it's just to hurry up and get out of my way. So you, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then there's the athlete that you go up to them and you hold out a piece of paper and you'd feel like the guy wants to come to your house and have a cup of tea with you. He just in that split second, he embraces you as a person. He just values you. It's this issue of valuing one another. And Mr. Graham, I'm telling you, there would be stadiums. I remember being in Scotland with Mr. Graham, and I can't recall the numbers, but I remember being in Murrayfield Rugby Stadium in Edinburgh, Scotland, during the Scottish Crusades. And there were thousands. I mean, the play, you couldn't find a seat. I mean, it was just jammed. And, you know, when it came down to that time of invitation and the invited people, if they want to give their hearts to Jesus to come and scores of people from the top row to the front row just flooded down as they did in every crusade Billy Graham ever preached. And it was as though every one of those hundreds of people who were responding had a personal invitation, number one from God. But through this man, the Lord Jesus, through this man, Billy Graham, it was from God through, channeled through. He saw himself as a channel, as an instrument. So that's what causes me to say things with fear. I felt every time I was with Mr. Graham, and this is nearly 25 years, okay, it's a long time, quarter of a century. There was really a time that I ever left him that he didn't put his hands on me and pray for me as I left. Mm. And I'm telling you, even in his very elderly years, not too long before he died, because I was one of the people that held his hand on his journey to heaven. And I would feel when he prayed for me, number one, I could feel the power of God but I could feel the instrument of God through whom the power of God was being passed on to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and I can make a difference, brother. We can. You can make a difference. Every one of our men who are listening can make a difference. You can be a difference maker. Your choice right now is to settle for a life of mediocrity or to become a difference maker, and God will do that for you. And Mr. Graham was one of those men that so humbled himself before God and his fellow man that you could sense it. And by the way, and it's I know it's hard to get me to stop talking when you're talking about Billy Graham. And I apologize. But, you know, didn't a bunch of people come to Jesus and say, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Mr. Graham did it. He loved God first and he loved his neighbor. By the way, the word neighbor there is an unqualified inclusion 
of all people, every race, every tribe, every language, every disposition, every gender. <laughs> what about every political party? Is that every included political in there? party. <laughs> you know, <laughs> every every political party. Right. Yes. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. He did that in a practical, real way. And sure, for me, for Don Wilton, I saw that. But in Saturdays with Billy in my book, as I said, it's just simply a story about a friendship. You know, I put a lot of pictures in there of the two of us and a couple of others with him with the queen and different things like that. It's about two people <laughs> and an insight into the heart of this man. I'm getting calls from people all over the place who are saying, wow, you know, I see this and I want to apply this attribute to my life from the life of Dr. Billy Graham. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. And it's like you said, it's just loving God and loving others. And then waking up and repeating that. Waking up yes. and repeating. And just, oh, I love that. Maybe, maybe the hardest thing is the repeating portion. Because I think I could have a really good day. I could wake up and Dr. Wilton, I'm like, Holy Spirit is on me. I'm like on my game. I'm going to love <laughs> everybody at work. Every Marine yes. that I encounter is going to feel yes. the love of God. But then it's Tuesday and this happened, that happened, this is late, this didn't get turned in, there's another person who, you know, some legal action happened, and then now I'm, you know, <laughs> the repeat, right? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He, from what I understand, just had a way of resetting well. But if I can give a picture, I think the best way to play tennis is by getting back to center court, so that whenever somebody tries to hit that ball to the other side, you're in a better position to smack it yes, back. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Now, I'm wondering if you can extract maybe one more meaningful story for our listeners from your book, something that is just a dear story to you of your time with Dr. Billy. Well, it's a very touching story. It was right at the end of his life. It was a Friday. I don't mind telling our listeners that in my book, the chapter is entitled Billy's Friday. But this was reflective to me of an entire life. And I went up to see my friend and he was very frail, very, 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 very frail. Walked into his room that I was so accustomed to. Hello, brother Billy. And he was not able to talk to me. He was very frail. Let me say that. I didn't realize a thought, but I didn't realize how close he was to going to heaven. And I sat down next to him I had my favorite side and, you know, I'd spent so many years commentating on golf, watching golf on TV together. And I just talked and talked and talked. I don't know, a long time. And he just sat there. You know, finally, after a couple of three hours, I knew it was time I had to go. And so I said to him, Mr. Graham, I said, let's pray together. And he still hadn't said a word to me. I just began to pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for my friend, Mr. Graham. And 
just love him. And I just prayed. I just prayed from my heart. And I'm doing just, it flowed. And while I was praying, all of a sudden, he leant his head over and he put it in the nape in the corner of my neck. He just rested his head on my shoulder in the corner of my neck. Never said a word, not one word. And I'm just telling you, the tears began to roll down my cheeks. And I knew. I don't often tell people that. I just had a sense in my heart that the angels of God were arriving in his room to pick him up and carry him to heaven. (laughs) I took my left hand and I reached over and I just touched him. He very gently picked up his right hand, moved it over, and he put his right hand on top of my hand. And I have a picture in Saturdays with Billy this old man's hand covering this young man's hand. I'm telling you, it was like a blur after that. I was weeping, praying. Finally, I forced myself to get up, and I said to him, Brother Billy, I'll see you again on Tuesday. This was Friday. I'll see you on Tuesday. And I walked out that door, and on Tuesday morning, I was speaking at Samaritan's Purse headquarters in Boone, North Carolina. My car was parked outside ready because I was speaking at this meeting, getting in my motor car and driving to Boone to Montreat to have lunch with my friend, Billy Graham. And all of a sudden, people start walking around the room and the air went out the room. And I looked down the front table and my wife picked up a sign and it said, Dr. Graham, has gone to heaven. And I never said another word. I was in the middle of a message and there were hundreds of people on closed circuit television and all over the place listening. I got in my motor car to drive down to the cove and I knew that God had spoken to me through the life of this man. And I didn't realize the extent of what was going to lie ahead as I had the privilege of marching Mr. Graham's casket up the steps into the rotunda of the capital of the United States of America, where every member of Congress and members of the Supreme Court were, where people came from every walk of life. I had no idea the extent of this man's life and ministry, but all of a sudden, I saw myself. And I remembered that precious hand of his placed on top of mine. And you know what I knew? I knew that what God had done through Billy Graham, he intends for every one of us. (laughs) You're in it. I'm in it. Every man listening right now is a part of it. And in order to take hold of it, to take hold of the hand of God, you have to be surrendered to God. You've got to give yourself totally. You've got to submit yourself totally. You've got to do what Isaiah the prophet said, here I am. What Samuel said, here I am. What Paul said, here I am. What Billy Graham said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm in your hands. And God gave to him an incredible life, an incredible, amazing, fulfilled life, but a life that mattered. And there is only one life to live. And that will soon be passed. It's only what is done for the Lord Jesus Christ that will last. And everyone can accomplish that. God will do it. 
And I pray for you as I pray for me and as we pray for one another that God would take hold of our hearts and we would become those vessels that make a difference in other people's lives all because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the life and testimony of Billy Graham. And what an honor to have been called his friend. I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus for that great, most wonderful privilege. And you know, when the publishers came to ask me to write Saturdays with Billy, I had to pray a long time about that because I didn't want to violate the confidentialities that I obviously had in my privilege of being his pastor and his friend. Do you know, when I finally agreed and sat down and wrote Saturdays with Billy, it just flowed like a living fountain. And I realized, you know, what is this? Yeah, it's about Billy Graham. But you know what? It's about me and you. Why? Because of Christ in us. He's our hope and our strength. And I praise his name for that. A lot of what I hear throughout the story is this deep-seated honor that he had that was unmatched. And that level of honor, I think, comes from knowing and seeing everybody the same way that Jesus sees them, from their Christ identity, and being able to call that out of them, to see that in them, even when they don't see it in themselves. And I think that's something that all young men listening struggle with. They don't see themselves as the Lord sees them. And it's so powerful to have, especially an older man, come into your life and say, I see it in you, even when you don't look in the mirror and see it in yourself. I'm pointing out the richness of God inside of you. You are royalty. You just need to step out in it. That's so powerful. You know, that's another whole subject, and it's a subject of mentoring. And I, I encourage young men, God will put around you men who walk with the Lord and who are great mentors. None of us are perfect. But you will do very well to put yourself at the feet of really precious men, maybe your father, your uncle, your grandfather, your best friend. God brings people into our lives. He brings circles of people into our lives. And iron shop. I'm so grateful for all the young men who are listening to you like this, because I think it is so valuable because they tune in, they listen, and they connect. And God makes a difference. Go out and make it happen. Do it. Don't think about it. If you think about it, all it is is an idea. And ideas float around and can evaporate. Translate your idea into action. Translate that idea into action. Put it into a foundation. Build something around it and set it in concrete, so to speak. Do something about it. Take action. When you hear these things, go and act upon it and watch what God does. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Becoming Men podcast. My hope is that this show is impactful and that it is a tool for you to grow as you become the man that you were created to be. If this is your first time joining us, then make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you won't miss another life-changing episode. And by the way, if you want to reach me, get a hold of me personally, you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, at Ray De La Nuez. And if you want to help us transform the lives of men from around the world, then you can right now by taking a quick moment to leave us an honest review on iTunes. That small little act does so much to get this podcast in front of the right men. 
gentlemen, until next time, continue to march. Thank you.